0: As um, Ian shared before, I'm I'm on with you guys today. I was supposed to be on next week doing the wrap-up and then Alvin realised he was away this week and I realised I was actually away next week. So we switched. So you're getting the wrap-up today and then you're going to go back next week just for a little bit of more of a dabble in our series on reflections where we've been going through First John Technology is failing me. This is why I use paper. So I'm in a pretty unique space with parenting at the moment. For those of you who know me, I have an almost 19-year-old, an almost 18-year-old, a 5-year-old and a 2-year-old. And it's not without its challenges. There's two spectrums of tantrums. There's two spectrums of staunchy behaviour. There's kids that can't get enough of me and there's kids that just talk to me in... sort of sentences that are just that sound in different pictures. Um, but what I'm afforded in this unique space of parenting at the moment is a second chance. Because I am acutely aware that I have two children, one of whom who has left home and comes home when she needs to eat or has stuff washed, um, and another child down the other end of the house that um, is in that beautiful spot of teenage boyness that doesn't need to be explained for all the parents in the room who know what that's like and those of you who don't, I don't want to scare you, so I'm not going to talk about it. But then, I'm aware how fast time went to get there. And so with my younger two, I find that I've got an incredible amount more patience and I try and be a lot more intentional with my language with them and something that I've done for a very long time is every morning and before they go to school or when they come home from school and always before bed I have this mantra that is unique to Shiloh and Odeya has her one as well and I repeat it over and over and they repeat it back to me. Um, So for Shiloh I wanted to be really intentional about giving him a real proper sense of self. Um, obviously, um, we want our kids to be confident and bold, but having a child that's on the autism spectrum and also has other challenges, I want to be really intentional about providing him with a sense of a knowledge of who he truly is. So, he repeats all the time, I am smart, I am brave, I am important. And that's his mantra and we go over and over it all the time and we have it written on the wall and For Odea, it's I am smart, I am beautiful and loved, I am powerful. And all the feminists said yes. Um, And I'm doing this with them, not only because I want them to have a true grasp of who they are, and not only because I want them to be able to navigate the harder parts of life where they need to show accountability and they need to be respectful and know that being smart and loved and brave and powerful is part of owning the hard stuff. It's that I want to be really intentional about framing who they are in the eyes of God because they're going to receive so many other messages from the world and I really feel like I know the whole teaching team really felt like the book of 1 John was that for churches. It is like Five chapters just jam-packed with a reminder of who you, are, who you are, who you are, who you are, who you are. Remember who you are. And so today I'm sort of looking at the book as a whole and looking at the end and what we can take away from it under the banner of identity. And I kind of didn't know where to start. I sort of felt like everything's been touched on, everything's been talked about. What? How do I wrap this up and so I did what any good intellectual did and I went right back to the start and started researching the start and I don't mean the Bible, I mean I went deep researching into other texts, non-biblical writers, write down my nerdy history path of what was happening in the world at that time, what are other accounts of this person, John, what are the accounts of what was happening in the world politically at that stage. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of tension for a lot of people with this book because the author never explicitly addresses who it's to and also doesn't reveal who he is and sometimes that can provide a bit of confusion but as I went back and I looked into all these ancient texts and maps and accounts of what was happening at this time and then I compared it to The actual content of 1st John. What I found was that what stood out is that this book was written familiarly, it was written with authority, it was written to address false leadership which in turn was impacting their identity and it was written to address doctrinal controversy which in turn was impacting their identity as well. Oh, impacting fellowship. And John addresses these issues by recycling these themes of love, light and truth, love, light and truth, love, light and truth. And it can seem very repetitive and it can seem a little bit, um, yeah, you've already said this if you're just reading over it peripherally, but when you go deeper and you explore the way that he's written this poetic sermon, this poetic letter, he's actually trying to take this church that's wrestling with what are the rituals? What is the actual doctrine? What are the characteristics that we're supposed to be showing and and pressing into here? And how are we actually supposed to be interacting with our community? And how actually are we supposed to be identifying ourselves? And his response to that is love, light, truth, which is Jesus. He's constantly pointing them in the direction of Jesus, not only to get them to reevaluate their own identity, but to remember to focus on the identity of the one who led them on this journey in the first place. So when we look at God, when we look at Jesus and the Gospels, this embodiment of light, love, and truth, and we explore Him. We've got a few key things that really stand out about what Jesus asked of people or told people was going to happen or revealed about himself if they were going to choose to follow him. And the first one was this, that he asked people to be humble. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to show up with humility. It's got to be about more than yourself. And there's many places throughout the Gospel where he explores that, but in Luke he says, you know, he quotes that if anyone comes to him, they have to deny himself and pick up the cross, which my experience in, in conservative communities is a real march into that martyr beat. But I don't actually believe that that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you want to align yourself with me? You've got to be willing to give. You've got to be willing to serve. You've got to be willing to live outside of your own desires for the betterment of other people. And then he says to people, if you're gonna follow me, if you wanna be me, buckle up. The Beatitudes are some scary words. I don't know, like, I remember reading them like when I really met Jesus, and like a couple of years ago, and I'd always grown up, blessed are these, blessed are these, blessed are the people, if you follow me you're blessed. And then I read it, and it's like, Blessed are you who follow me because it's going to be hard. Blessed are you who follow me because you're going to be left wanting. Blessed are you who follow me because you're going to go without. Blessed are you who follow me because you're going to have a heart for social justice and a real steep uphill battle. When we are looking at Jesus and the identity of who he is and who he calls us as Christians, he says, deny your selfishness wants and needs and be prepared for hardship but I got you and then also he's constantly reminding us to live for other people to live for the uncomfortable people to live and be strong during testing situations and as cliche and as broad and as hard as these instructions are Christ was very explicit in living what he taught to the point where they they murdered him for that. He was so explicit in living this way that it was a bit too radical for the time. So so John's writing to these people who are wrestling in their church there's struggles going on in their church and he's saying remember who Jesus is. You want to know the answer to this struggle with your people in your congregation? Remember who Jesus is. And sometimes that means uncomfortable topics and we've actually talked about a lot of them over the last five weeks. I mean, we've really talked about some uncomfortable stuff. We have talked about how as Christians, we often make sure that we're fixing what's on the outside. We're making sure that we're turning those taps off really, really tight, like Ian talked about. But our pipes are just totally broken. As a church, we've got to be aware that we can't just be working on the peripheral stuff. We've got to do the hard stuff and the wrestle. It's a tussle. We've talked about sin. And I don't know about you, but as soon as sin comes up, I get incredibly defensive because I want to justify the things that I do that may be in my gut. I know. I shouldn't be doing or that people have told me are wrong but I don't believe that I've had that conviction and it's a really hard topic but we've done it and we've wrestled and it has been delivered in a really beautiful way by Kim a couple of times we've talked about how to love people in our church that are really hard to love and that is a reality for every single church on the planet since churches began. and I'm getting some nods because People are hard. I'm hard. I'm, I'm so aware that people are hard. We've talked about that. We've talked about anti-Christ behaviour and how we focus on prophecy sometimes and it's real and how we focus on the big stuff, but actually all the little things that we're doing in the name of Jesus that are excluding people or hurting people are actually antichrist behaviours also. We've actually dug real deep this series. What's it all mean, though? Like, is this gonna be another series where we're like, yeah, remember we talked about that cool stuff? I Wonder what they're doing next? Will they use any cool props? What song are they gonna do with that next series? What's the point? What are we doing when we dig deep? Do we wanna be brave and go deeper and work on the stuff that's coming out of this book? I don't know about you, but after the toilet bowl year of 2020, I am willing to put in anything for 2021 to be better. I want to go deep with what we've learnt. Constantly throughout the book of First John, we have two words that, that come up constantly. Know, as in K-N-O-W, and truth. These words are recycled over, 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 over. And when we look at what he's talking about and sharing in these sermons, it's very, very evident that regardless of whether there's controversy over who wrote it and who's receiving it, there's this message of if you are wrestling in your church, you need to know the truth. You need to be complete in the idea in the understanding of who Jesus is and his identity, because in that you will be able to march through the waters that is the difficulty that arises when we have a community of believers coming together. And when my kids want to know something, or my siblings, I'm the eldest of a billion, the eldest of eight, or when my students want to know something very often i will journey with them as they try and figure it out rather than me just tell them for instance if they ask me what a word means i'll say why don't you look it up and for the young kids listening or in the room when dinosaurs were around we did that by opening the dictionary which was a very large book and we would have to go and find the word and we'd read it out loud. And when your students or your child goes on that process of finding the book and opening the book and finding the word and reading aloud the meaning, they actually retain that information a bit better because they've journeyed on on this path to trying to figure out what's going on. So when I'm teaching or when I'm working with my kids and they've got questions about anything, most of the time, I will send them to figure it out or I'll say how about I come with you as you figure it out. And I really believe that the same thing applies here with us as a church. If we are like the church of Ephesus battling with how to love each other or struggling with what's the right doctrine, What are the right fundamentals? What are the right rituals? What are the appropriate behaviors? What are the things that we are supposed to be doing? I genuinely believe that we need to be picking up the book and reading through the book and journeying with each other and having conversations that are love in action so that we can navigate our way back to a picture of the identity of Jesus to know what the next move is. We called this series, Reflections, because we felt that the book of First John was Paul, oh, keep going to say Paul, that was the last book. Um, John asking the church to have a long, hard look at themselves. You've got these problems going on, but you need to have a look at yourself and see what you've got to own in this, see what you need to change, see how you've moved away from the truth and correct. He's asking the church to hold up a mirror and start to really address who they are, who their identity is in, and how that identity matches up beside a knowledge of who Christ calls us to be in him. Now looking in a mirror is really easy to do when you know you're looking good. Yes? Got my hair done this week. I'm sitting in front of the mirror for like four, four hours. i got my hair tossed, tossed me now. Every mirror or reflection I've walked past all week, I'm like, yeah, so good. But when you're not comfortable in yourself, or you've put on a few COVID carb weights, yes, or you're not loving how you feel, looking in a mirror is really hard. It's really hard. Harder than that is choosing to stand and identify what needs to change and then be committed to changing it so that your reflection reflects something back differently. It is easy to look when everything looks good. It is harder to look when you know you're gonna see something you don't want to. It is even harder to choose to look and commit to changing your reflection. But that's what First John is. Are we gonna choose to look, not at each other, oh yeah John, I got some stuff for you to work on. No, it's, You know or over here i'd like you to work on this it's are we individually are we as a group that are going out into our community prepared to look at how we're doing things and align them with this picture of jesus and then do the hard stuff so that we can keep navigating life i've done this thing for years in my life where I write on a mirror. I write on my mirrors all the time. Um, Not messages to my kids or loving messages to my husband, messages to myself. And sometimes these messages are things that I need to remember so that I stop going into my shame place. I'm really good at going right deep into anxiety and shame and feeling really terrible and bad, and I don't know whose fault it is, but it might as well be mine. That's my MO. So sometimes I have to write stuff to remind myself who I am as a child of God and that I can be kind to myself. Sometimes I write stuff on there because i am in a space where i need to start doing some mooky hard work and i need a constant reminder when i look at my head that these are the things that i need to choose to do today and that i am choosing to be aware of and that i am only going to get a different reflection if i choose to do that sometimes it's stuff like don't gossip like in big bold letters on my mirror. Sometimes I've written entire paragraphs to songs, sometimes I've written scripture, sometimes I've done dot points, but what I have committed to for years is writing on my mirror as part of my journey. Because sometimes I need affirmation, and sometimes I need that affirming kick up the butt to keep moving towards where I need to go. And that's essentially what First John is. Now because I'm a teacher, and what's that saying? Is it old dogs or old habits die hard? I don't know. Please don't kill any dogs. But because I'm a teacher (laughs) and object lessons, I find, have incredible power. What I'm going to ask everybody to do, and I I cannot stress this hard enough, but if you are a child, you are not allowed to do this. So there's no child in the room today, so that's okay. But if you're a responsible teen, or an adult, I would love for you to, in a socially distanced, appropriate manner, come and get a whiteboard marker. Come and get one. Or not, just sit. Come and get one and take it home. You can come grab it now if you want while I'm talking. Someone's got to do it, someone's got to be brave, someone's got to go first. This is 1st John. Are we going to do the work? Are we going to write the stuff down? Are we going to do the things? Come and get a whiteboard marker. Yeah, Ali. Take it home. Find a mirror. Find a, a window. If you've got precious mirrors and you don't want to write on mirrors, go to Kmart and buy a whiteboard. But come and get a whiteboard marker. Because if we're going to look at Jesus, if we're going to look at the identity of who he is and who we are in him, If we're going to wrap up this series on light, love and truth and how that leads us, how that's our fuel when it comes to being a functional group of believers because that's church. Church isn't a sermon and you know three or four things in a building on whatever morning of the week that you choose to worship. Church is a group of people. Then we've got to really know who we are. And we've really got to know what we need to change. And we've really got to be brave to step into the places where God asks us to work on things. And we've got to sometimes even be kind to ourselves. Because how can we be kind to other people when we're talking to ourselves in a way that is so unkind? That's what I'd love for my church to do this week. To go home, And be mindful of your reflection and how you're reflecting the love of Jesus to yourself and to those around you. And in the light of the context of 1 John, really be brave to look at who are you? What do you need to work on? What do you need to affirm and praise? What do you need to be reminded of? Maybe it's just a mantra you want to repeat to yourself. Maybe you go and ask Charlotte for one. He's real good at making them up. Get yourself a mantra. Maybe it's just, Jesus, I need awareness of you today. And that's what you look at every single morning. But what are you going to do moving forward from this sermon series when it comes to how we're showing up as a community of believers? And I want you to speak over it every day in your life, in your reflection. And then be blown away by how that impacts your kids, parents. Be blown away by how that impacts your co-workers. Be blown away by how that impacts your marriage. Be blown away by how that impacts your sense of self and your relationship with Jesus. Because then and only then, we're aware of who jesus is and who we are in him can we be his true identity to our community let's pray heavenly father thank you so much for this amazing group of people that um, that we get to worship with every week thank you for everybody here with their unique gifts and their unique stories and their unique purpose i pray for courage and purpose as we move ahead God, we've just had such a year that's rattled the world and rattled our church and just rattled people in general. And I just pray for courage and vulnerability as we step into navigating life in you, through you and with you beside us. We love you, God. Amen.